Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school, but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Ladyboy Chi-Chi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Chi-Chi, and I have Paul and Ashley with me tonight. And tonight our topic is going to be on sex positivity within alternative communities and where to find amazing people to hang out with. <laughs> so let, Paul came up with the topic, so why don't I let you kind of delve in first and talk a little bit about it. So this is a topic we've kind of touched on in several of our shows, but we've never done a show over it. And one of the the great joys in my life and one of the things that got me into BDSM and and also the way that I met you, Gigi, was through some of the alternative communities that I'm a part of. Me and Gigi met at Flipside, which is the largest burn here in Texas. A burn, for those who don't know, is a camp out based around the ideas and the ideals uh, of Burning Man. So we met each other at a burn and there are other alternative communities that we've been a part of over time. And alternative communities are a great place to find people who break the mold and are cut from a little bit different cloth than your average person. And it's a great way to 
explore what's out there and pretty much all of the alternative communities that I've been a part of, at least a certain sub uh, subsect of the alternative community was involved in the sex-positive lifestyle. So that's kind of the reason I wanted to do the show on that this time. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I've been involved in alternative communities most of my adult life. It took me a while in young adulthood to really find my way and navigate the waters, and I felt so alien and different and didn't fit in at school or with the church or my father was a minister and I had to go to church and I hated it. I just didn't fit in anywhere. I felt like, was I a changeling? Did somebody switch me out at birth? <laughs> I don't belong here. <laughs> then I found the pagan community and some in the BDSM community. And I go, oh. And then later I found the bisexual community. And I said, ooh, click your heels, you're home. <laughs> And it can make such a huge difference if you feel a little different, if you're made out of a different cookie cutter like I am. It can give you a place to connect with people that are accepting and affirming and and loving. And I found my family of choice. But Ashley, what are your thoughts on all this? I think finding space or a community is really critically important to self-acceptance, especially for queer people or people who might be considered sexually deviant. For me personally, a lot of personal growth within the past four years since I started transitioning had a lot more involvement in alternative communities when before it was pretty minimal. Like I think I did my first burn, which I think was the first time I met Paul when I was about 22 two or 23 uh-huh. so I've done a couple burns since then mm-hmm. I've kind of decided that that's not really too much my thing even though I'm wearing a burn shirt right now <laughs> please don't judge me um, I think I like BDSM events a lot more honestly mm-hmm. I think I think more of that kind of focus uh, suits me more than the kind of like artsy fartsy let's get really high on drugs yeah kind of thing and I, I'd much rather just um, be tied up and beat in front of a bunch of people honestly which you can do at a burn mm-hmm. but there's a lot of other stuff going on besides that yeah and at a burn you have different theme camps and different areas and so that's one of the things that I like about running Aphrodite's temple at Burning Man was that I could create an environment that wasn't just the party mode. You can whack them and smack them and have good sacred sex. And there would be people I'd wake up in the morning still fucking on all of the equipment. (laughs) (laughs) And so once you kind of get out there and known, it's like you get this reputation and all of a sudden people would just gravitate to what they are there for. And if you offer something that's real, like Aphrodite's Temple, you're going to get a lot of people coming because at many events, there's nothing like that out there. And so it's a great place for people to come and 
let their hair down and their pants down and <laughs> do all kinds of fun things out in the open and freely. And, and what I really love is the amazing forms of sexual expression I've seen at Temple where people just kind of open up and go wild and crazy and have a good time. And it's all done safely, sanely, and consensually. <laughs> I, I actually just had a memory of that first burn that I initially met Paul at. I think, like, Paul had already busted out a dress at that point, and I was kind of sitting in the middle of the pavilion, and this one guy was, like, putting on a dress... And I was just kind of like looking at him and this at this time I was like closeted trans so I consider myself non-binary and uh, he's like yeah like dudes wearing dresses like we're so crazy and I'm like only if you knew <laughs> I'm not like gonna try and out crazy you um, but also little did I know that I would be here right now uh, years later <laughs> looking very much totally different but um so that was kind of an, a fun memory from that mm -hmm. burn, which seems so very light by uh -huh. comparison <laughs> to the stuff I get into now, honestly. Mm -hmm. Oh, do share. <laughs> well, when I did a transition, I was like, I had this very strange notion that I would like never get laid again. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. I was like, all right, I had about that at time realized I was poly also as well. A lot of self-realization kind of was going on at that time. And I was like, and I had kind of had a mild to moderate interest in BDSM, but I hadn't really participated a lot. And so I was like, I need to get really involved in the polyamory community and the BDSM community. And I'd say I've pretty much achieved that. Oh, in the queer community, kind of the the offshoot of the greater LGBT, all the weirdos and, and fun people, and not mm -hmm. like the people who hold their noses up and think they're better yeah. than everyone else type of LGBT people. Not, <laughs> not, not my flavor. Um, I did my first needle play uh, last year. Oh, wow. Ooh, so cool. that was... That was a big step for me because I'm like, kind of have this love-hate relationship with needles. Like, but, um, and hopefully I'll be doing suspension in May, June, July, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like overcoming personal fears and, yeah. and things like that. And but, just so people understand the terms, can you define <laughs> them a little bit? <laughs> uh, like what needle play and hook suspension? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, needle play being usually they use relatively small gauge needles anywhere from 22 to 20 gauge up to 14 12 somewhere in that region and mm -hmm. basically it's for aesthetic purposes or for pain purposes and multiple needles are generally put inside the body so i think i did like 34 and i was like okay i'm done like my adrenaline <laughs> topped out i was like i'm done i'm done mm -hmm. and then hook suspension being generally these large gauge hooks are put in your flesh, uh, generally at, you know, practical points, but not always. <laughs> and then your all your weight is basically put on these hooks, so it kind of like stretches your skin, and you're off the ground, and it's supposed to be kind of like transcendental. It's different for everyone, but um, it's supposed to be very intense 
and experience. Some people say it's not intense, it's more kind of meditative, but I guess I'll have to find out. I'd like to find out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is different for everybody. I mean, we're all kind of neurologically wired different, which I find very beautiful. <laughs> you look like you have something to throw in on, Paul. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not last year at Texas Kink Fest, but the year before that, I went to a suspension workshop, and uh, while I was there, I got the hooks put in me, and I did a pull on someone, and I believe they used eight-gauge hooks, so pretty pretty thick gauge, and I, I didn't get suspended, but I did pull against someone really hard that also had hooks in them, and it was an amazing experience. It's like a lot of different things in the sadomasochistic area where at first it hurt a lot and then all of a sudden the endorphins kick in and then like you can barely feel it anymore and then you go flying and then it's not (laughs) till later that you look down and there's blood all over you and you're like, oh, well, I I guess that that has been really intense. But I had a really good time. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Yeah. I want to say I was there not last year, but the year before. Did Britt Britt throw your hooks? Uh, No, it was Sean. Sean? Okay. Mm -hmm. I meant Sean as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, that was fun. Like, that was not my first exposure to it. Mm -hmm. But watching people get their hooks thrown and then doing pulls was really wild. Honestly, it was really (laughs) wild. It was so much fun to watch. And for those that are a little lighter of heart the hook play is usually kind of off to the side it's not out in your face so to speak <laughs> well, it, can, uh, it can be king fest it, yeah, it is yeah different. is a different scene it's yeah not like but it, i'm talking forward. burning man and yeah. <laughs> and it depends on which alternative community you go to they are all different I know in the pagan community, it tends to be a little bit more focused on spiritual spirituality and on having workshops and having rituals. And I've been to some amazing rituals that were just, I mean, talk about <laughs> really flying in a whole different direction, uh, having this kind of transformational moment during a ritual where things just kind of, your whole life, you see it entirely different from a different perspective. And I kind of wanted to throw that in because I don't want to give the impression that if you go to an alternative community, you're going to see people flying on the hooks. (laughs) Well, that's a really, really extreme case. Oh, yes. Well, that's why I wanted to bring it up. There's now you can more. run into it, and it's a lot of fun. But <laughs> there's definitely much, much more mild and uh, digestible, I guess, mm-hmm. for the average person, sort of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're into it, and you know, I know that I, I do have to tell a story that I've told before. I one time did a fairy gathering at ESA property, and I was showing some of the BDSM toys I had, and one of them was the zipper. One of them was my cock and ball torture device. 
Could you explain the zipper to us? Real quick? Yes. <laughs> a zipper is basically a bunch of clothespins with a rope going through the spring, okay. and then between each clothespin is a knot, and you space them about six inches apart, the knots, and then you put the clothespins on the body anywhere you want to. Well, I usually like to do genital torture, so I do it on the genitals. And then I tell them, take three deep breaths, and then I yank the whole thing off at once. That sounds really easy to make. Intense. (laughs) It's easy to make, and it's a very intense form of torture. It feels like your skin's being ripped off, but no damage occurs. I think only once have I ever had a little bit of bleeding, and it was very, I mean, not even big droplets. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm talking just a little bit of blood on the surface. But anyway, back to my story. (laughs) I just had to hear that. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's good. So I was kind of demonstrating some of this stuff, and this one guy, he kept saying, no, don't get that near me. Don't get that near me. And then he kind of wandered off, and he came back with the zipper on, and he said, Gigi, can you pull this off me? (laughs) I said, sure, but take a few deep breaths. He goes, I said, no, take some deep breaths. You're going to need this. He goes, I said, last time, last chance, take deep breaths. He goes, and I pulled it off. He jumped up screaming. He ran around the campground three times. He found a mirror and was inspecting himself. (laughs) He thought I'd ripped off every bit of skin off his genitals. (laughs) And then later that night, the story gets even more interesting. I'd gone to bed. It was about 4.35 in the morning. And I was just drifting off to sleep. And all of a sudden, I hear... Gigi, I need your help. Well, it was this guy. He had gotten into my cock and ball device, torture device, and put it on himself and couldn't get out of it. Because <laughs> I need help. <laughs> so sometimes people are afraid to really kind of, I told everybody when I was doing the workshops earlier in the day, if you want to try it out, let me assist you. I know what I'm doing. But oftentimes we're afraid of our kind of kinky leanings. And But don't be afraid. I'm here to help you with it. <laughs> and don't be afraid of some of the alternative groups because there's a lot of people out there like me. They're, they're, they're experienced and they're there to help you out. Don't get yourself caught in the trap (laughs) so to speak (laughs) so any thoughts Paul that's one of the things that I really like about these alternative communities especially ones that have where we set up our temple and there are other people who set up other sex camps and things like that it's a great place to meet people who have been part of the scene for a long time that have a lot of experience and even if you have a lot of experience they might have different experience that you don't have and it's a great place to 
share knowledge and understanding. And I know that we always do workshops in, in our temple. I know that at a lot of the events that we go to, there are other people putting on workshops. So it's a great place to, to go and learn. So whether you are an experienced player or especially if you're new, going to these places and going to workshops and picking people's brains for things that they might know how to do or they might know a different technique or a different way to go about things, it broadens your, your horizons and it helps you in the future to be able to speak with authority. And I think that that's one of the really good benefits that you get out of a lot of these kinds of places. And also you meet kindred spirits and connect. And I remember one time I was running temple at Flipside, actually, and I had the cage set up. This one boy comes up and he says, can anybody get in the cage? I said, sure, if you want to get in, we'll put you in. He says, can I go naked in it? I mean, he was already getting a boner through his pants. <laughs> I said, of course you can, darling. And he, I could never saw someone get out of their clothes so fast <laughs> and into that cage. He was in the cage for about six to eight hours. Oh, my God. And just loving every minute. And I asked him, I said, do you want to just be on display or do you want people to play with you while you're in the cage? He says, oh, let them play with me. And I said, okay, I'll let people know that you're here for play. And so for this six to eight hour period, people would come into temple and I'd let them know at the door, he has given consent to be played with. And I'm his guardian, so play, play good with him, be consensual. And I set up a bunch of sensory toys, and I mean, the boy was just in heaven. <laughs> and he was a newbie of all things. I mean, I believe it honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like burn. Burns can really suck you in, honestly, mm-hmm. um, and especially if it's foreign to you. Um, it's really easy to go in deep, oh, like, yeah. and get lost in it, honestly. And it can be such an amazing experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the first time I ever saw your cock and ball torture device. I internally cringed a little bit, and I had a thought like, "I'm you'll never catch me dead in in one of those." <laughs> and it was literally, it was literally, it was literally. <laughs> About 24 hours later <laughs> that I was in it. It's, it's generally the more adverse you are to things, the more you really want it. Uh, that's, that's what I've learned Thou doth protest too much. <laughs> I try not to make fun of kinks anymore. Just because in a couple months I'll be like, yeah, this is my jam. Like, <laughs> this is what I'm about right now. Mm-hmm. And we all have that kind of part of ourself, the darker side, that wants to really get down and dirty and do things that are outside the box. And and it's just so amazingly attractive to us, or at least for, it was for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, it's like they come by, they see the stuff we've got set up, and it's like 
it's like a kid in a candy store. Ooh, I want to play. <laughs> well, what are some of the things you've experienced at different groups, and how are they different from each other? I know for me, I kind of got my start at the Texas Renaissance Festival, and since it was the first and only alternative community I had been part of, in my head, that was so crazy and so wild. <laughs> my my worldly 14-year-old self. And, like, you know, I remember the first year I saw an orgy tent, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm part of something crazy. Um, and, you know, like, there are really good people that I've met through TRF, but I've, I've kind of gotten away from it because there's a lot of things there that I didn't like. Uh, I, I saw a lot of people get taken advantage of, uh, and I really didn't like that. So next I cut my teeth on rainbow gatherings, which were also really interesting and a completely different thing. Uh, rainbow gatherings for those people who are unfamiliar. They've been going on since the 70s, and it started off as a prayer and meditation on peace and then kind of devolved to this place where it's a bunch of hippies and gutter punks hanging out in the woods. And they're really interesting, and they're, they're better about taking care of each other. But still, I saw a lot of things there that I didn't like. And then I discovered Burns, and then... I discovered the pagan community and other things that I'm still involved with. <laughs> and burns are interesting because there's a lot of different things going on. If you want to party hard and drink, there's an area for you. If you want to go listen to electronic music and dance uh, and do drugs, there's an area for that. If you want to play weird uh, like lawn games, like there's camps for that. If you want a massage, there's spa camps. If you want to get your nails done, th there's camps for that. There's all sorts of different things going on out there, and it's really interesting. And mm -hmm. uh, at least at the burns that we go to, when there are more than one sex camp, they tend to be all together in a red light zone. So, like, you know where the sex is happening. It's all happening right over there. Also everywhere else. But well, it, hadn't, it hadn't always been that way. The Early on when I first started Temple at Burning Man, at Flipside, they put me in the middle of the main traffic area. We had kids walking by Temple, and I said, this we can't do. We've got to have a red light district. I said, we don't want CPS involved. <laughs> and, you know, we we finally put up some shields to make sure people couldn't see what was going on because, because of the kids. And I don't want underage around us. And that's when we, you know, I put into the powers that be and said, we need a red light district that's not where the kids are going to be coming by. <laughs> And so finally they did that. So, And each burning event is different. Each mm -hmm. one's run, I mean, the big burn is run by one 
group, then there's many regional burns and smaller burns that are governed by different people. So it's all kind of thrown together. So check it out and see what each burns kind of, I don't want to say rules, but their kind of guidelines are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the the pagan festivals that we do, they've got a completely different feeling because it's mostly centered around spirituality, the inner spirit. Paganism is a a, a spirituality that allows for hedonism and some debauchery and stuff like that. So, oh, a it, lot of debauchery. <laughs> so it it's a really interesting kind of thing where it's. Exp- spiritual and like deeply emotionally engaging but you know it's also a party but it's a spiritual party yeah (laughs) and i remember one bell time it was before i started running aphrodite's temple i mean the bushes were shaking all around the rebel's fire (laughs) (laughs) and i I had to get up and go pee at one point and i almost stepped on a couple in the dark (laughs) that were uh, pounding the bushes, so to speak. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's strange, but there's a lot of overlap. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of these communities as well, um, between burners and pagans and the BDSM community and um, the queer community and, you know, all that other stuff, basically, which is... It's interesting. You see a lot of the same faces, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one place I haven't is at Radical Fairy Gatherings. That's a whole different crowd. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you're familiar with the Radical Fairies. I'm not. It was started by Howard Hay, who originally founded the Minishing Society. It was a gay society in the 50s. And he was a little too out there for that society. So after he started it, their board kicked him out. (laughs) And he started the Radical Fairies. (laughs) So anyway, uh, the Radical Fairies was a very radical group in there. The Houston chapter was a little less radical. But the history of it I found so fascinating because they were the group that really kind of stepped forward and owned the words. They said, yeah, I'm a faggot. I'm a fairy. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) And they made it okay. And they took the negative terms thrown at them and claimed them and said, yeah, this is who we are. And it really was very powerful. But anyway, we're up to station break time. And Paul, you want to give a little spew about the website and then I'll talk about Mm -hmm. what's coming up soon. Okay, so please feel free to visit our website. It is www.ravenslayerleather.com. There you will find several different things. You can find a link to our Patreon page, which is the way that we keep what we're doing here going. Uh, If you would like to support us and help us to continue to bring you the sex education that that we bring and 
can spare a dollar a month, five dollars a month, five hundred dollars a month. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a great way to to support us. Uh, we definitely another, won't turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> another good way to support us is we have a number of different training videos. There's a link to our training videos, and we go a little more in depth than we do on the podcast and there's different worksheets and materials written materials that uh, come with each of the the video trainings to help you build a better sex life so that's another good way to support us on the show as i alluded to earlier we do have some special announcements First of all, and I've talked about this a little bit before, we do have in this pandemic era a family of choice virtual community. And if you're having difficulties in any area, join the family of choice virtual community. You can get to it from our website. There's a link on the homepage at ravenslayerleather.com. My second big announcement, and this is for the pagans especially, and you don't have to be pagan, but if you are, we are celebrating a virtual Beltane next weekend in Aphrodite's Temple. We'll be putting on workshops and doing a few online rituals. And it'll be very amazing and special. In fact, I've got some good stuff planned for this event. We will be raising sexual energy together. And at the end of the workshops on Sunday, it's going to be Saturday and Sunday, this coming Saturday and Sunday, which is April 25th and 26th, we will be doing the virtual Beltane celebrating sexuality and sending out our blessings. So join us. You can get to it. I'll have a link up at the the Family of Choice virtual community. I will place the link there to join this very special event and we'll be doing it on Zoom. Sign up now. Spaces are limited. So join us if you would enjoy raising sexual energy and sending some healing energy out to the world. So, I think that pretty much covers station break. (laughs) And I've got lots of arrows to shoot, baby. (laughs) I always do. In fact, I shot quite a few the other day. (laughs) But anyway... I have a question for each of y'all. What is one of your most memorable or special experiences in an alternative community? What touched your heart the deepest? So there's a lot of memorable events for me, but I think that one of the, the ones that really sticks out to me is I think the first really, really great scene was that I had. I'd had good scenes before, but I had mostly played with the same few friends, and 
they were well-meaning and they knew enough, but they weren't nearly as well-educated as you. Mm. But um, <laughs> it's back when you were running the, the temple with Mina, that first scene that you and Mina both worked on me, and it was the first time I had two people working on me at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I remember, first of all, Mina flogged me for a good long time, and then afterwards she strapped me to the restraining chair, and both you and Mina just went over my entire body. I couldn't tell you whether it was 45 minutes or three hours. It, it was a good long time. And I did not know how far I could go. And my eyes were rolling in the back of my head. And I was like, I, I knew that I already loved it, but I was like, okay, this is something that's very, very important in my life. And I need to see how how much further this rabbit hole goes and oh my god no turning back now <laughs> <laughs> in fact me and jay my partner we were ha, have had many discussions on the bisexual movement because we've both been very involved in that and one of the topics came up one night how after going to a bisexual conference it changes your life to a point where there's no turning back. You can't go back to who you once were. But it's a good change. It's so transformational and empowering and just amazing. And that's one of the things I find about the alternative communities is sometimes it happens in a little workshop off in the corner or sometimes you meet someone and you just hit it off and... And it's like the magic occurs, and it's just so beautiful. I probably have a few, but the one that immediately came to mind was a pretty simple little tape scene that I did at Texas Kinkfest. And pretty much the whole thing is outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, But it was late at night, and my partner drives a bus. And so they like turned on the headlights of the bus, and we went out in front of it. And they had some, also, like, some work lights that they set up. (laughs) And they, like, put down a little towel for me. And we just did this tape scene. And they did, like, some designs on my body. And it was, it was weirdly intense. Like, it shouldn't, it's just tape, right? Like, I don't know, I really like bondage a lot. So it gets me to the headspace really quick. Mm. And it was, like, surprisingly intimate. And there was also kind of, like, a little bit of the, like, exhibitionism kind of a factor as well because it was interesting because there's all this light and i knew that there was people that could see what was going on but i couldn't see anyone else it's like being on stage (laughs) but there was it was really intimate and uh the pictures from it i still to this day like love to share with people oh cool they're they're really great there's so many moments i've had it's hard to put one down standing (laughs) way out there (laughs) but I think one of the ones that touched my heart so deeply was when they did a saging and croning ritual and acknowledged my being a hermaphrodite, intersex. And that was the first time an organization officially recognized my true gender, my true sex. 
And that was so powerful and touched me so deeply that and now I'm both a sage and a crumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had a ritual for it and it was there wasn't a dry eye in the whole ritual. It was that powerful. And it was not sad tears, it was tears of joy and just this whole new level of acknowledgement and reclaiming. And I think it was powerful for some of the pagans because in the ancient days, it was the hermaphrodites and the trans people that were the shamans and were the sages and the crones. I think in some ways, our modern-day paganists lost that concept, and this brought it back for a lot of people. And it just was a very powerful ritual that just, to this day, still gives me those goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> want to talk a little bit about how we don't have to be isolated. And I think that's one of the reasons I started Celebrate Bisexuality Day. I felt isolated and invisible. And as a bisexual here in Texas, and even in the gay community, it was, you're bi, you just need to make up your mind and get off the fence. And it's like, no, I have made up my mind. I like cocks. I like pussy. I like it all. <laughs> that was such a foreign notion for a lot of people in both the straight world and the queer world, especially when I first came out. And I was one of the early ones that came out as bisexual and did a radio show and on KPFT and... It was the bisexual show, and it was amazing. After doing that show, how many people have come back to me and said, I'm so glad you mentioned that, because I didn't know what was wrong with me. I knew I wasn't gay. I knew I wasn't straight. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of the invisibility that we see in the bi movement. And so opening these doors and saying, hey, we're all part of this. And I'm so grateful for Jim Carper that was the producer of After Hours because he was a gay man who had a bisexual boyfriend. And he came to Binet Houston and said, I want you to come on the radio show <laughs> and talk about this. <laughs> first, I was just a guest. And after that first show, he said, you know, you did so good. I want to put you on the spot every month. <laughs> Part of this beauty of the alternative communities that I discovered was that there is a place for all of us. And we celebrate together and we're part of each other and seeing so much support. When one of us falls down, there, we all rush in to help. And it's a very supportive, loving community. I think one of the things that I like about the alternative communities that I've been a part of Especially since I got into Ren Fair when I was very young, because my mom worked out at the Renaissance Festival. So I'd been going there since I was one, and like starting around the time I was 12, I started camping out every weekend. And then because my mom was a little irresponsible, she started not caring where I was while I was camping, and I started 
getting into things maybe a little younger than I should have. So I started out doing things like Ren Fair, and then when I started doing Rainbow Gatherings and things like that. And at first it was something that I just saw as fun and hedonistic and did just for the, the joy of the thing. But the longer I kept on doing it, the more I realized the kind of uh, allure that these things have, the reason that you think that you're going, the nudity and the the openness and sex and party and all of that, that's actually a byproduct of the real thing that's happening there. That's not the actual reason to be there. That's just a byproduct of the freedom and the all of the ancient religions had celebrations where they would let their hair down and they would drink and they would eat good food and they would dance around fires and fuck like bunnies yeah yeah (laughs) but it was always for a there was a mysticism that was behind it all and Mm -hmm. i think that that spirit is still there in all of these alternative communities oh very much so and the longer i've been doing this kind of stuff the i've settled down a little bit as i've gotten older and the more i settle down the more i realize that it's that spirit underneath it all that keeps me coming back (laughs) yeah i mean i think a big big part of it is like at a more face value level i mean besides the things you mentioned like partying and and screwing and and all that is it's it's community um and a non relatively non-judgmental space obviously different communities have different rules and how they might judge you but yeah no yeah, no group's perfect but yeah yeah that's it, the ideal we shoot it, yeah, for <laughs> it depends what you know flavor you're looking for right mm-hmm. but yeah i think in these communities like you were saying i think there is something a little bit deeper and I think we've kind of lost a little bit of kind of our tribalism as society has progressed and become more modern. And I think there's a lot more isolation or we think that we're isolated more than we actually are. And I think these kind of communities give us give space and opportunity to kind of reconnect. And I think you hit a key word, tribal. We are a tribe. And in ancient days, the Little kids weren't brought up by two parents. They were brought up by the tribe. And they were members of the tribe. And I think that resonates with a lot of the alternative communities is that some new person comes in and they're kind of brought up by the tribe. And they're kind of nurtured by the tribe. And and not to be, hopefully, in most alternative communities not to be what the tribe wants you to be but to nurture you to become what you are more fully and that's the ideal (laughs) I think the other thing that really stood out for me was when I went to my first BDSM play party at first I saw them torturing and spanking each other and flogging and I thought oh this is weird (laughs) And then I noticed, I saw one group, one couple that had been playing for 
about an hour and a half on the cross. And the dominant took her down, and then I witnessed the aftercare and that special bond between the dom and the sub and that connection that ran so deep. I mean, it was like, I said, oh, I want that. (laughs) (laughs) I want someone to nurture me and care for me like that. It was so special and beautiful. And, And I saw the bond after that. I could see it clearly between many of the doms and subs where there's that connection that ran much deeper than... It's so tangible. It's so tangible. You can practically, like, see it physically. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah. And the the more you get used to seeing it, you'll notice little hints of it. Like when you're watching a scene that's going on and you see a dom quickly go and whisper and check in with their sub... If you don't know, like, that doesn't seem like that big a deal. But when you know, you're like, ah, that's that's the thing right there. That's what makes this okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is a special moment. I mean, I'm being on both ends at one point or another. And sometimes, well, not in the same scene, but <laughs> I've experienced the amazing journey of the sub and the amazing journey of the dom and it's such a dynamic and powerful relationship it's just it's hard to put into words the dynamics and the trust and i remember the first time i consented to being flogged it was like so scary the first time (laughs) and i said Oh, I'm going to do this. I want that aftercare. (laughs) (laughs) Got to have the aftercare. It'll be worth it. And so I clenched my teeth and got wailed on. And and then the aftercare. And what was surprising was after just very quickly, time kind of distorts when you're in a scene. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it was 15 minutes or an hour into the scene. All of a sudden, I, my teeth weren't clenched. The pain kind of went to the background, and I felt this euphoria and this amazing experience of just flying. And I felt free and free for the first time in my life to of everything. It was like I was in this moment, and nothing else existed anymore. It was just this moment. And it's so magical. And so, uh, and I like to share this stuff because these are the moments that you can experience in different alternative communities. These are the moments that can reshape your entire life. I know it did mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really love about BDSM is it touches on this theme that's been an ongoing theme for my entire life, which is finding the spirituality behind hedonism, because I'm an unapologetic hedonist, and I always will be. And so many people think that hedonism is the opposite of spirituality, and I disagree wholeheartedly. There is 
a form of spirituality that you can find at the heart of hedonism. And BDSM is a great way to, to get there. Like I know when I first got into being a masochist, I was into it for the endorphins, for the yummy way that it made my body feel. <laughs> and like I thought that that's where it was going to end for me. And it's amazing to me how deeply it has touched my life and affected me in big, powerful ways that have like helped me completely reconfigure who I am as a human being and how I approach the world. And it's made me more confident. It's made me stronger. It's made me more compassionate and caring and loving. And it's helped me deal with a lot of my like mental illness. And it's made me a better person. And I've seen a lot of growth in mental health in you since mm -hmm. you've been going on this path. Oh, yeah. You know, you're shining like a star now. <laughs> well, we're at the top of the hour already. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it flies. Any last thoughts or anything that kind of stands out for you on the sex-positive movement within alternative communities and how it's impacted your life? I would probably be a lot worse off if it weren't for a lot of these communities, um, and especially, I think, the trans community first and foremost, because I found a lot of acceptance and comfort there. But then probably polyamory, BDSM, you know, <laughs> down the line. Sex, the sex work community is pretty amazing as well, honestly. It's, they're surprisingly, like, open and very kind and um, much more so than I, as an outsider. Outside of it, I thought, oh, you know, just a bunch of uppity bitches, <laughs> like, trying to make money. And it's so much more than that. It really oh, yeah. is. But, um... That's that's my piece. So, no, I think that you really did touch on something when you said tribal to me. <laughs> I mean, we are a tribe, and there's several different tribes out there. And I think one of my visions, we already have a lot of people in, that kind of go into. We've got a lot of pagans that go to burns. We've got a lot of burners that go to the BDSM parties. There's a lot, but. I would like to see some of the communities kind of join and communicate with one another at a level where we can really combine our our knowledge and our thoughts and our structures and really empower each other as groups, not just as individuals. But sorry, I'm on my setbox now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you don't, if you guys don't mind, can I go ahead and do a little plug? Yeah, sure. All right. If you want to find my work, my porn work, uh, you can just Google Ashley Vega, or you can check out my Twitter, which is at the Ashley Vega. That's the best way to keep up with all my new releases and what's going on, uh, any cons I plan on doing, or any touring I plan on doing. Cool. So, Go check it out. Yeah, definitely check it out. And if you want 
where you can put a link to your stuff on my website. I love it. Also, I have some stickers for you guys as well. Oh, great. Because so. <laughs> I love to support our our <laughs> guests on the show. And I know how it can be kind of rough out there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trying to make it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paul, you got any? I, I think the last thing that I would like to leave people with is there are a lot of different alternative communities out there. It might take some searching to find the one that's right for you. If you live in a big city, it's easier to, to find your people. But luckily, we live in the age of the internet. Whatever of these communities sounded interesting to you, just Google your state and either pagan group or uh, burner group or or what have you and look it up there are festivals all around there are meetup groups live out in the country but you know you're two or three hours from a city most places are two or three hours from a city and you just want to go into the city and check out whatever the groups you can find there I would recommend it highly. So, yeah. I think one of the things I'd like to share is something that I've talked a little bit about on this show, but not a whole lot, and it's through the bi community. And it's not here in Texas, but especially in the San Francisco area, and I think even in New York they've started putting some on, it's the Jack and Jill Social Gatherings, where... You get together and boys jack off and girls chill off. They're safer sex parties. <laughs> different Jack and Jill's social gatherings have different rules. Some are you can only touch yourself. Some are mutual masturbation. And some you can go all out. <laughs> but go by the house rules. I remember going to my first Jack and Jill social gathering and it was just so amazing to be in a room full of people. It was one of the first times I experienced freedom of sexual expression at that level, where everybody was just stripping naked and the beautiful erections and hard-ons and boys jacking off and girls jilling off and polishing that pearl. And, oh, it's just beautiful energy. And all of a sudden, one person would explode into orgasm, which triggered several more. And <laughs> it was just an amazing experience. I think that's one of the ones that really stands out for me, was the Jack and Jill social gathering. I know here in Houston, I've heard of sex parties. I haven't been to too many here locally. But they do occur in many different places. and But I like the Jack and Jill social gathering because it's totally bisexual. There's boys playing with boys, girls playing with girls, threesomes, foursomes, moresomes. It's just this beautiful energy of everybody just getting out of the modern world and getting into just pure joy and pleasure. And pleasuring each other and allowing ourselves to be pleasured. And it's just an amazing experience. But on that note, we've definitely reached the top of the hour. 
Abba's amazing nocturnal emissions. Experience your body. Experience pleasure. We don't do that enough in our modern culture. We get too busy with life and with careers. But set a time aside each day to pleasure yourself or share it with your partner or partners and have that space. It's something that it's too easy to lose. I've been seeing more and more articles on sexless marriages and sexless couples that have been together for over a couple of years and all of a sudden sex has gone out the window. And it's so sad to me because it's so easy to bring it back in. It just takes communicating and maybe seeing a sex coach or seeing, getting some help from professionals to help rebuild that part of our lives. But sex is a part of our life, an important part. Sexual health requires that we at least be intimate. And I do want to speak to the asexuals. Not necessarily does it have to be sexual, but we all do need that intimate touch. A human infant will die without touch. I think as adults, it's required for mental health, physical health, and spiritual health. And so we need some form of human contact and human touch that feeds a part of us. So enjoy, give and receive pleasure. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs> good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.